welcome to episode 19 of Disciples of Agony. I'm Brian. I'm Stan. And today we are phoning it in. Not really, we're just uh, really far behind on things and Oblivion's kind of stopping us from being able to do what we want to do, which is talk about like new dojo and things like that. Because we yeah. don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> so. A lot of it is like not really understanding the meta going forward because every, everybody else is getting their stuff piecemeal just like we are. So mm-hmm. it's hard to say like, oh, this list is going to be fantastic. And then you realize the meta is just full of guns now or no one's playing the units that we are accustomed to seeing because they're putting in more jacks and beasts. So yeah, here we are. This is our uh, our anime filler. This is Disciples Agony goes to the beach. <laughs> Does a bunch of flashbacks, yep. shows you stuff that we've already talked about. You know, the usual. Anyway, have you had any recent games to talk about that you want to discuss? Because I have not. Funny enough, I using this period of um, what I would call downtime between Oblivion, I have just been playing other factions. I've been using that opportunity to kind of expand my knowledge better. And I learn pretty well by playing something. So I played some Striker 2 and Storm Division. And despite what people say, I think Unyielding is pretty sweet there and makes a a decent difference. I tried out some Infernals. I played a game with Omo. Honestly, the complexity of Infernals was a lot higher than I thought it would be. Not because of the mechanics, but because of the way the list plays. Like you just kind of have this clump of solos and cultists and you're like, I need these for reserve to do X and Y, Mm -hmm. but I never felt good about their positioning. I didn't want them to get destroyed by blast damage. I didn't want to give my opponent an opportunity to remove them all super easily, but I also needed them to be out of my way. So my horrors can be in position and I can summon things where I wanted to summon them. So that was definitely a a very interesting army to play. I don't think I even got close to fully grasping it in my first game. I did pull out an assassination, though, because, hey, like, you just get too close. I feet. Everything's ghostly and speed two. And all of a sudden, there's a horror in your face. And Omo also has a pretty long threat range. So that happens. Yes, they all do. You've played into Infernals a decent amount, right? Like, do they just summon heavies for the first two, three turns? And Yes, actually. Um, summon heavies every turn and out-threat you because they threat 14 inches in melee with seven power 21 attacks. And the 14 Yay! inches is because of what? Between Zedaroth's Road to War, rights of whatever. And oh, all right. It was mostly Zedaroth. Omo is good. He is strong enough to see play, but he definitely is not what I would say the best. Zedaroth has answers for everything. She is control up the wazoo. You can't cast purification type spells ever, otherwise you die. Her gun is (laughs) crazy good, too. Her gun is very good. Plex souls off that gun, and it's an AoE 3, and yeah, and it's reload 1. And Long Shadows just being on a 12 inch bubble is awesome. Then for relevancy to the cast, I did play a Scorn game last week. (laughs) I played Jalam in Disciples of Agony with, I think it was 
two roadhogs, two swamp horrors, a battle boar, pain givers. What else was there? I had a misspeaker. I'll definitely post the list in the show notes when I get this uploaded. I thought it was pretty good. And honestly, it added a good layer of decision making and complexity just from the fact that you can't stack Animai. So like a lot of times I wanted rush and elasticity, but guess what? <laughs> no. <New. laughs> yeah. Or in some cases, primal. That game was just a weird game of threat chicken between Omo. I didn't shoot my gun at all because I didn't want him to spawn an Umbral Guardian into play for free. So a lot of it revolved around me using my Swamp Horrors to drag things out to get optimal angles for other things. And the Warhogs... Wait, is it Warhogs or Roadhogs with the spray? Roadhogs. Roadhogs, sorry. Roadhogs are the two clears. The Roadhogs were really integral there because they were able to punish cultists in any way in addition mm-hmm. to my ambushing blood runners so like there was just no way he was going to keep his cultists safe on the turn i ambush mm-hmm. and that's guaranteed road to war procs so all in all the game ended with a titan gladiator getting rush onto it and just charging into omo after a uh, swamp horror managed to pull him into the forest to give me line of sight the list is very fun i was a little rusty playing jalam and i don't know like sometimes the the war path shenanigans really take a lot of extra brain power and changing Jalam from my usual kind of hit and run bully to just a fury battery because I really didn't want to use his gun Mm -hmm. that was kind of interesting in terms of gameplay and that's about it for recent games Uh, sorry what spawning the umbral guardians that you didn't want oh uh because I had the idea to pull Omo I didn't know if my opponent had known that but if I had ah. given him an Umbral Guardian to put there, that would have been one extra model for me to have to deal with to drag him out. And they're what, uh, 11? Well, you auto-hit, so there's armor 17 or 16? They're very comparable to Ancestral Guardians. Let me see. Because I, I didn't... They're 16 with a shield. The 13, 16 base with a shield. And 8 boxes, not 10. Yeah. Or 17 with a shield. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Any boxes, so dice off seven. Yeah, you're probably not one-shotting it. And you can always just shoot it a second time and kill it. Sure, but that doesn't really accomplish anything. Pulls them out. They don't have it for later. Yeah, but what if I fail, right? Then there's an extra model stuck in there that I have to somehow deal with. I mean, that's fair. I guess, yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's, that's one way to do things. Yeah, I mean, if, if there was an opportunity to, like, tag Omo with Grievous and kind of soften him up for later, uh, I would have done so. But I just felt like, you know what? I'm going to deny you eight points off the table. I don't need to shoot my gun this game. I'm just going to put my upkeeps out, have Jalam cast the Animus or Animai that I need, and keep my beasts very efficient. And that worked out. Yep, that's why I like Jalam. You can play both as the super solo or the support type yep. thing. And just hand out Animai as you need. That's cool. Anything else? Game-wise, I'm trying to think. I know the week before I played into... Jeez, I played into Irusk with the Resheth Quad Battle Engines, and I played two games into Gary 2. Mm-hmm. Into, or two and a half. I mean, it was a, it was a game that ended in Assassination, so we just, like, kept it Pretty going. Much. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And then I also assassinated him again. And it was just a, a good lesson for my opponent, who was playing Gret, that... I I told them I thought the game should be pretty cagey, like we're kind of plucking away at each other. And then the moment like one of the major 
fronts go down and battle engines, then like things can get high feet. Mm-hmm. But while I, I took a very reserved opening turn and just kind of peppered a couple of things, he just saw my turtle alone with no Kraya and started pumping his whole army into it. And it took almost everything he had to kill it. So I'm yeah. just like, oh, OK, I just walk up for Chef and I run a slinger here and I give him Isla Sight. I took the Isla Sight objective, too. So I had two sources of Isla Sight and Gary died. And then mm-hmm. we kept playing it out. The rest of the game went like I decided to not move my turtle and just give it the aiming bonus and start shooting his battle engines. I made sure that the mammoth was softening up some of his jacks, got my uh, counter blast and defensive strike bubble ready for him to go in. And I had assumed he was going to go for the objective to play for scenario. Mm-hmm. And I positioned the counter blast and defensive strike to make sure that whatever was going into it was going to get something crippled. But instead, he decides to try and take the mammoth out and comes up very short. I think I had 14 boxes on him. And luckily, I, th- I think this would have been relevant had once once I finish telling you what happened, it's not really relevant. But he didn't cripple body or spirit on the mammoth. He only got its mind. Then my other turtle went down. The game was going to be pretty bad if we dragged it out because it would be an SG who gets extremely out threat by an AFG and a trident on the right side Mm -hmm. and like a somewhat healthy mammoth versus a couple of lights on the left side. But what happens is he does the same thing and he leaves Gary because I didn't feed that turn since we re-racked. So I was like, cool, I'm going to feed again. And I lobbed two Sunders into him and just destroyed him with Rasheth. Yep. And he's not that tanky. No, he's not, especially when you drop his arm and death by two. And worst case scenario, I still had the chance to kill him with a mammoth. So there's a good chance that just boosted blast damage kills him. Yeah, I would agree. Especially if I roll enough shots to give me the chance for that to happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Kador game was just just the game of threat ranges, really. And then eventually he had to get his caster too close and Mammoth murdered him. There's a theme going on here. Yeah, the theme is, is like, <laughs> <laughs> you got to play a little cagey into this list because there's a lot out there that can get you. Like, yeah, I don't have slingers to AD, but guess what? The pain givers aren't really doing shit. Turn mm-hmm. three, you know, turn two onward. So I was just either healing my turtles when they were taking more gun damage than I had thought would be likely under a Kraya or uh, <laughs> running them to arc. I'm going to miss that list. Yep, that makes more than one of us. Let's see, I went to a tournament two weeks ago. Um, did all right. Uh, it's a second, I think, in the long run because I hadn't played into new bump. Oh, yeah. What happened? So I just kind of spaced on some things, never seen piggybacks on the table. They are surprisingly annoying to kill. And just like he got a counter charge off with a monkey that basically saved the game for him because if he didn't counter charge that monkey, I was using a turtle to clear up a clockatrice and then the guardian was going to go in on the other side of the zone because this was spread the net and they were sitting in this the circular zone in the middle and I had a lane to kill three or four nayslayers, which mm-hmm. were pretty much his only hard hitting pieces in the game. But he clogged up that lane, so I couldn't do it. So he was able to kind of force me back and uh, one with three seconds left on his clock. Damn. 
was stalling just not a tactic that you were playing for? Or I guess you didn't want to win like a steamroller doing that or? Oh, no, I have no qualms against that. Um, it was the clocks got messed up. Mm-hmm. So he you had at least four minutes on my clock. And he tried to run off approximately the same amount of time, but I was trying to be nice. We had had a, a pretty tense point in the game already once, so I didn't want to make things worse again, more worse, <laughs> uh, by you know saying, well, you lost this game because you have under a minute left, and we have no idea where the actual time was. Because, oh, it was posted in general. There was a line of sight question and whether I got a free strike with a turtle on a clock of trees that was assaulting through a building. Oh, um, I see. And it just got hairy, and it wasn't anyone's fault. I was explaining the rule as best I could, but I don't think I was doing that good of a job with it. And mm-hmm. uh, he was just getting testy about it because he was like, but you don't have on this side. I'm like, but I do because you can see the base. You know, it's any part of the base to any part of the base. And I see your base before you would leave my melee range, like through the building, and then you would leave it. Even though that part of the base is through the building, I can draw a line of sight to the front of your base through the back of my base. And it got weird. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. I don't think I've had something like that come up. It's definitely different. (laughs) So, yeah, that happened. And then um, that was that the end of the tournament. The previous two rounds, I played Rashath all three rounds, uh, the triple battle engine. Mm -hmm. Um, What's it? I can't think of words. I was doing IW, and I played it all three rounds. First round was against Animag. I shot down his Lightbringer, top of two, and he just didn't have the oomph after that to, to get through my list. And then the second round was against Butcher 3, and I positioned aggressively, and then he was like, screw it, I'm going to be even more aggressive. And yeah, <laughs> I thought I was able to charge Butcher directly. Um, that was me being silly about terrain, because there was a forest in the way. Um, but uh, I was able to charge Ruin and boost a tail attack into Butcher, knock him down, and then shoot him with the mana. Yeah, that was my three-round tournament. It was fun. Like I said, the bump in the night is good. I, I've always liked Grimkin, so it's good to see that that is back. I can't wait to play against it again. Beyond that, um, I've been working second shift, so I don't get to play games anymore. <laughs> Yeah, we've all been pretty busy lately, but I mean, this is the best time to be, honestly. Like, correct. Yeah. Makes Oblivion come faster. Yep. And then hopefully when Oblivion comes, we can spend more time, you know, dojoing, actually. So, um, do we have any additional thoughts? Anything that occurred to us while we were, you know, in the past couple of weeks? We've had Exalted spoiled yesterday. Yeah, Exalted got spoiled by Line of Sight, and there's nothing in there that we didn't know except... Well, actually, I can't say that. There's a few treats. We did not know that two Immortal Vessels would be a requisition option. I think that that's just cool in terms of flexibility. Like, I think this theme needs all the flexibility you can get. So if you have a caster that wants two all of a sudden you could be netting an extra point and just paying for like an ancestral guardian or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of cool. And then we confirm that from CID, we have Void Archons in our army composition in this theme. But we don't we- know what their cost is, what their final rules are. We just got previous CID to go off for that. So Exactly. Everything uh- else is pretty standard. Yep, and like I said, I haven't been thinking about the game really too much at all lately, so... I I did want to say one thing. Sure. As these spoilers have been coming out, I've been seeing a lot of factions, including ours, 
where a theme will pop up and only have one of its theme benefits when it used to have two or whatever it be. And I think what we have to remember is that this whole Oblivion update is about creating more options and also simplifying how things in the theme work. So like, I think if a theme doesn't absolutely need a second benefit, like Exalted needs the soul benefit in order to function. Yep. You know, arguably Tharn need their corpse benefit as well, or at least some version of it in order to function. So like, that's why they're keeping it. Storm Division, you know, they could use a little more oomph. So I'm not surprised that they got something extra like unyielding. But yeah. also the devs have voiced that they created a spreadsheet and figured out how many points people are getting in their requisition options. And then using that metric to decide whether a theme can have uh, stronger or more benefits than another theme. So like, for example, if you're only getting 12 free points when like something else could be getting 18, maybe your theme is getting better benefits to compensate. And that's that's kind of how they're balancing things. So I've just been seeing a lot of people lose their shit. Some some of it is justified, right? Like you you don't want to see a bad theme like Masters of War get worse. (laughs) Salt, 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 salt. Sure, yeah, I I can be salty too, but but, uh, (laughs) assume that there's other changes for it in the future. There's also dynamic updates, so there might be changes in all of those themes that we don't know about yet. And if there aren't, just be patient. Odds are you have more playable stuff in your faction overall than you did before and more options than you did before. So sometimes one of your themes just has to eat the loss and Masters of War (laughs) is probably ours. Well, I mean, we still haven't seen wins, at least. So there's hope yeah. that Masters of War isn't the worst. I don't know if that's I, something we want to hope for. But. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet money that Masters of War slips into the worst slot. I really think that when you have an all-melee theme with very killable infantry, the go-first bonus was very key in getting far enough up the board that you'd only lose a few models and then have your turn to attack. Now, without it and with most of the deployment extensions gone, what's happening is you're taking longer to get there than ever before, and our army's not getting any faster. It's not getting any more resilient. So I'm worried that unless you're playing like a Hydra in there to protect stuff on the way in with Sandstorm, that like things are well, just going to explode on the way in. Really, you're hoping you're playing a Hydra and, uh, you know, a huge command range caster so that you can get your army under it because the Hydra needs to sit back and provide you fury. <laughs> that's yeah. what you're taking. <laughs> It's going to be, I don't know what list building is going to look like. Uh, Maybe the cataphracts will get more changes that we don't know about. Maybe some of the infantry will get tagged. But currently, it's not a great time for single wound infantry. And our medium-based infantry is below the curve. Yep. Well, I mean, let's go on to the list of questions because people are asking about that anyway. Um, So starting off with Facebook... Derek Carrier asks us, with Imperial Warhost and DOA merging, what theme do you run Makeda 3 with a Hydra that is not DOA with Minion Warbeasts? That's kind of what I talked about, right? Like, now that we have the requisition points, you can stick a Hydra in any list and not lose a free card over it. And if you needed to, you could also put, like, a Gladiator or whatever. But the thing is, is, like, your points haven't gotten any bigger, right? So... 
I mean, honestly, I'd still run her in the new DOA with just normal Warbies. The list literally transfers. Yeah, Makeda will be, she can polish anything, right? So Correct. Yeah. As long as your points line up and you have enough to play scenario with, I don't think that there's many builds of hers that I would just call flat out wrong. I agree, yeah. Like, um, we'll post it in the show notes, but there's been an Imperial Warhost list that's been running around for a couple, maybe a month, maybe two. I don't know. Time is meaningless. That we, we've all played, at least. I thought we all played. I certainly did. I, I played it, yeah. Specifically, the Harbinger I, answer. I and took that list to lock and load. There's no Supreme Guardians in it, so that's not a problem, and there's nothing in there that I can think of that would be a problem. Um, Makeda, Hydra, Moloch is the main package, I want to say she's got an Agonizer and Kraya on her battle group, and then you throw a Gladiator on Zadesh with a Reptile Hound, and you take a Siege Animatrix. And then you use the rest of the points on a Bog Truck, Miss Speaker. And yeah, yeah, something like that, yeah. We'll post the whole list, but we've all played it a few times. It transfers straight over. There's no... You can play that one still, and it's a great list. Mark Swabby asks, Scarabs. Thoughts? He clarified to say, is there anything that we would like to see? Because we actually have no information other than their lusters. I mean, th- this is pure wish listing, right? Because like Brian said, we know nothing. They're no longer War Beast packs in the game. They wanted to get rid of a whole page of the rule book because there's only two of them and turn them into lessers. And from my understanding, they're still going to have some sort of pack synergy as lessers from uh, the last dev talk that we had. I personally, like, I don't think that that is a great direction to go for them because they're, I mean, looking at their stats, even if I got like two for six points or whatever it'll be, however they figure it out, they're still only speed five. They don't have Pathfinder, if I recall correctly. It's been a minute Mm -hmm. since I played them. Nope, they don't. And all they do is their carapace and hunting pack along with the scuttler animus. So I would either like to see them get a more interesting animus if they turn into lessers because scuttler won't work, obviously, because there's no more war beast pack. So mm-hmm. they can't target a decent enough chunk of them. And there's no way you pay one to scuttle a single scarab when they're <laughs> only... Uh, what fury they'll be fury too they'll be fury, fury too. Too. Lessers. yeah lessers sure i was thinking they need to create something more for the erratus as a tribe and it would be neat if like the scarabs turned into like fast almost target markers for the erratai to create something interesting <laughs> maybe giving them like a speed bonus maybe giving them are you pulling uh, out your freaking oh crap razor worm tech again trying to pull that out again <laughs> Sure, but but you know they they need something like they lost they lost hyper aggro they lost the carapace thing they lost the two inch deployment mm-hmm. maybe if a scorn player wanted to play a bunch of erratus and like take scarab packs for something useful this could work other than giving them a, a better animus I don't really know what they can do to make a lesser interesting if it's not a, a support piece. I can't say I disagree with any of that. I think based on what I have seen of past lessers, they'll be Fury 2, they'll have 13 health boxes or roundabout 13 health boxes. They will have a new Animus. If they keep Hunting Pack, I think Hunting Pack changes to either Flank or Gang, which is nice. Yeah, but that'd be the most boring thing that they can do. Like the the Uh. quickest transition. Yeah, but like maybe flank with other lessers or other s- Eridai. They're not going to be any faster than they are. Speed 5 is already 
plenty fast, honestly. And all right, just... so check this out. Check this out, though. Remember, they're... <laughs> <laughs> remember against free strikes. Now they're going to be def eleven arm twelve. Just remember that. Oh no! Against free strikes that they always take anyway. Really though, like what? Like what is their purpose going to be if they don't rework the rules a little bit? They don't have one. Yeah, that's just it. Like, yes, you're right. Two for six is not even going to cut it. Like the way they have them currently. You know, maybe they, I was going to say maybe maybe they screw up and they turn them into the uh, like OP reptile hound Xerxes build with scarabs now somehow. <laughs> I mean. That's why we didn't get, what was it, three-point reptile hounds. So yep. it was going to be too good. <laughs> I feel like there's not much wiggle room, unfortunately. There it's isn't because not- you can't make a lesser too good. Correct. So we'll see how it all shakes out, I guess. Off the top of your head, is there an animus that we either currently have that you want on a cheaper model or a new animus that would make any sense on the scarabs that you'd like to see? We do have repulsion, so attractor. Yeah, could be something. Maybe like some pseudo thread extender or whatever would be interesting. Yeah, I got nothing either, though. I can wish my heart into <laughs> my chest cavity <laughs> that we get Wraithbane, but we're not going to get that. Oh, God. Plus, oh, it really don't, sense. Don't even tempt me with that. That would be delicious. Yeah, we're, it wouldn't, though. You're right. That's the one animus I really wish we had, but can't have everything. Yep, I'm ready um, to yeah. move on. Yeah, we're done with us. Uh, Bob Simmons asks, do you think the new DOA opens up play for our lesser used Warby's, EG, Rhinodons, or Rhinodons? Uh, All right. Um, I'm going to start this off with a little bit of salt. No, it won't. And it's not because they're bad, per se. And anyone that tells Scorn players to wisen up and play Rhinodons um, needs to play Rhinodons themselves. The problem with them is survivability slash their niche. Like, Reptile Hounds, I apparently was the king of them for a while, and, like, I played one every so often when I had four points to spare or something like that. It's a nice speed seven lesser, but they're too niche, and they're getting even more niche and more pushed out by a whole new faction's worth of piece. I agree to a point. Like, I think with something as wide as DOA, right now, my opinion is the same as Brian's, but maybe with enough playtesting and enough time, we might find something. Maybe. Yeah. It's just hard when you look at the minions beasts, they're often cheaper. And because they're being introduced to us as new tools, their tools are automatically more interesting to work with. You know, so just having more counter blast or having primal or whatever it will be is more interesting than two sources of spiny and snacking. Reptile hounds, sure, like we can pump them up, but can they get there? Can they do anything useful? I'm not sure. I will say that I think if you can justify the point sink in your list, the Razor Worm does become a much better solo hunter with access to Primal or Rage right now. Don't forget it has Long Leash and Drag. So like... Drag below. Yeah, drag. drag below. Yeah, drag below. But the thing is that can circumvent some of the negatives of Primal because you get to dictate your position after you do it. So if you get something that is a extremely juicy target and you remain dug in and you don't have a turn following because of Primal, your Razor Worm will likely still be alive after that. I'm reaching here, of course. <laughs> I feel like it has a more immediately effective role if you're willing to sink that in. And maybe if you have the right caster 
who wants a long leash Isla Sight beast who can channel through it or whatever it be, it might have a place there. But yeah, I don't know. As a tangent, do you think that there's anything in our faction that we might now play more? Like like savages I've been seeing pop up. I don't like them. I don't like them either, but but I've been seeing them pop up. So that that's interesting, right? Like that might mean maybe there's something there. Maybe. Seems yeah. uh, doubtful to me. But Yeah, I mean, it's a seven point, like, pure vanilla beast. Okay, it's seven points. It's the same cost as a battle boar. It is more expensive than the Rattler. The Rattler's power 13 base. So is it. The Rattler has Berserk and Overtake base. Yeah. And is mat six. Like, it doesn't have two inch reach. Sinking down the rabbit hole, you don't want to compare anything to Grimkin. <laughs> beasts but yeah <laughs> like yes to a point but also maybe i'm just being salty yeah if you look at the tools you have right now like what we're able to do with the battle bore even though it's really one specific caster that i think pumps it to i wouldn't even say extremes honestly like i, I think like it just turns the battle bore into a pretty damn good missile but most often you don't want to throw away your primal source just for a good missile. But, you know, you can't give something like the Savage too much with what we're able to do to a low-cost, somewhat efficient beast. It's a lot of I don't know. I'm not sure. All right, next. Let's keep going. Yeah. Adam Horn asks, your thoughts on the Void Archon rules and look. We're going to use the final week of CID. We posted this in our group chat, and I said... If it had one less wing, it would be perfect to me. But that's because I'm weird and I like reading into things. It's going to be serviceable. <laughs> the one wing just makes me want to like hook up the Sephiroth theme song as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> like the moment it teleports and gets exactly where you need it to be. It's like, because oh, why not? Yeah, I think it's serviceable. I think it's good. I think it'll see a lot of play in exalted yeah the final rules so all of the complaints were literally like hey we like this but the opportunity cost to put it in a list is too high and the devs knew that but they couldn't quite reveal it yet because oblivion hadn't been like theme force revisions haven't been announced yeah so those were all the complaints i don't think anyone really was like hmm this pow 14 spray isn't good enough or the ability to teleport and apply dark shroud or uh entropic wherever you need it after you get a kill isn't good enough i right? think the bigger problem is it's pretty squishy compared it's pretty to squ- i think all of the other ones but guess what we can give it tough no knockdown in doa and we can give it re- uh can we yeah we can I it's think a minion it requires living. i don't think it requires living okay Keep talking. Go ahead and look that up. Rules-wise and points-wise, I think it's pretty good. Would I love it more if it was seven? Sure, but who wouldn't? Eight points is doable, and eight points is at a place where you might see two of them in Exalted or Disciples of Agony, especially if the meta need arrives for the tools that it brings. I'm all for more tech pieces. I'm all for them not eating into our free cards anymore. And I like the way they look for the most part. I would definitely do some sort of conversion to make it feel more scorn-like to me. Yeah, I'm not sure what that would entail. Maybe like turning its little ghost tail thing into like a Kovas, like a giant Kovas would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't know. I haven't given it too much thought because I want to see the model. Hopefully it is pre-released at Gen Con and I can get it early. I heard it was, but I am probably mistaken. I, I like it, though. Like, no complaints against this piece. Like, think, we're, yeah. we're very positive. Luis Noon, how do you feel about losing hyper-aggressive on our beast theme? I do not care. I, the only thing I care about, really, is the Erratus. Like, that's... And but, like, if you're shooting it, really, how often were you triggering hyper-aggressive? Exactly, right? Exactly. Because the Erratus are still going to be... If the meta is very shooting-heavy, they're still going to be fine. Like, you could yeah. still build a Jalam list with, like, Warpath and Rush, and they'll be fast enough to get in and still be very resilient mm-hmm. to guns. And all you have to do is make sure you keep Jalam alive, and you're probably fine. Hyper-aggressive is a... At best, it's an anti-control tool and a gotcha ability, right? I'll start out my turn thinking, okay, my opponent's got a shooting army. If they time their activations incorrectly, I can punish them. If they're good or if they're remembering my rule, and I'm not saying like forgetting a rule makes you bad, but uh, then hyper-aggressive isn't all that useful. So I think um, while we did complain about it more than we needed to, because it did have its uses, it's not game-breaking for us. If anything, the Aratus losing the two inches of deployment is the biggest kick in the nuts. Yeah. The Carapace and the Hyper-Aggressive don't really matter to me. All right. Yeah, so we agree. Grant Cullen asks... With the changes to DOA, is it worth slash wise to advise newer players to purchase mini model battle groups specifically as part of their early purchases? New is the short answer. They need to focus on learning the game and the core rules, and that's more focused around the faction. So, like, encourage them to fill out the beast stable because you can still run them. The best rule I like to apply really is you want new players to look at the box art or look at the models or maybe read the command book and think, whoa, this faction's really cool because of X and Y. So if, if you have a new player that is very specifically like, wow, I love the units in Scorn, but I wish I could play these minion beasts, I could certainly select uh good group of minion war beast for them but you do want them to be accustomed to what is happening in faction i think brand's question has a lot of merit though because doa is and feels like our only true beast theme and the fact that it's taken over primarily by minions does bring up an interesting debate we can't, we can't have that debate now. Like, it's sure, it sucks that we don't have a good beast theme anymore, but that's kind of what this whole requisition thing does. Unless you have stellar beast benefits, there's no reason to have a beast theme. Yeah, the, the reason to have this beast theme specifically is because we get to mix and match minions and scorn. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, every one of our other themes could be a beast theme. It just depends on what you're getting out of it, I guess. So you said no, right? Don't advise? Yeah. No. Like I said, unless there's a specific example of someone that wants both or is interested in both, I would not advise it, really. You want to make sure that they can play all their other themes and not spend $40, $50 in one theme-specific beasts. David Boreen asks, do our traditional DOA casters gain anything useful, or are they just squeezed out of their last niche because now better casters are allowed there? Um, Morgul 2 waves at you. Yeah, Morgul 2 gets better. Morgul 1 definitely gets better. Naresh, as garbage as he is, gets better. Morgul 3 also gets better, right? Like, 
And who am I missing? Am I missing anyone? Zakar. I think that they all get better, and I don't necessarily think that they had a niche to begin with in that theme before. So, like, just the fact that we're putting in S-tier caster synergies into the theme that they used to have exclusively doesn't really kick them out. It just means, hey, guess what? Like, if you like playing those casters and you want to bring them to game night, they got better. Mm -hmm. So, overall, we have a a net gain here and like the requisition options are far better than what we were able to take with free points before with how difficult those were to rack up yeah god damn that was annoying oh uh, i didn't <laughs> oh, I just I just had moral too. Sorry, I just had a I had a good anecdote where I was talking yeah. about DOA the other day, and I was like, the old DOA was like someone's like, here you can have all the M and M's you can eat, and they like drop them out on the floor, and then actually taking free cards was like, but you have to pick them up with your ass cheeks. Ew. Like that's seriously how we had all the options in the world, but yeah. it was so difficult to get any. Yeah, that, that theme was always uh, a hot mess on, an, on construction. You are right. Um, I think the traditional DOA caster, which is Marvel 2, it's fine. I don't think any of the other casters are getting squeezed out of anything because they were never really all that blunted there. Anyway, so that's my take on it. Henry Marcus asks, with the theme renaissance upon us, what lesser used or underused warlocks are you most excited to try out? Do you expect your list pairing to change substantially? Short answer is no, but I was already running a really weird Makeda 3. I am excited to take a look at the Hexes. I am more excited about Makeda 1 than I have been in the past. I definitely want to take another look at Mordekar. Just because I like playing him and I think that he got some more fun tools to mess with. I don't know if he necessarily got better, but as like a lesser scene caster that has some really interesting jank, I'm definitely excited to bust him out. Mm -hmm. I've just and, never liked Mordekar, but I know that's blasphemous to say. And I'm always all in on Zal 1. Like I just, I like his play style. It's very rewarding to me. And I like having one big thing in the battle group to throw IR on. Morgul 3 is a... God, every time I let myself get excited about him, I just get disappointed because I'll have those games where I'll miss. <laughs> like, I'll have those games where everything should be perfect so long as, like, I can get this average dice roll and then I miss two of them in a row or something. So I, I think... Um, I will play him again because I like the way he looks. I like the interesting things his feet can allow and i like the idea of controlling my opponent's infantry with his blind spell mm -hmm. but i have to like zen meditate before i take him to game night <laughs> because I, I need to make sure that it's like okay no matter what happens with dice remain calm yep i understand that one that's all i got sure yeah, it's interesting. I, th I expect the standard list pair to change at least one of the lists. Zaltu or Rashath is probably changing to Makeda 3 DOA for most people. Yeah, Makeda 3 DOA seems like uh, one of the top dogs, at least the early top dogs. But Xerxes 2 is still right there. Rashath is probably still right there and might have some new and interesting builds come out. Who knows? And Makeda 1, I, I just know that there's something worth playing with her. It's just a matter of experimentation. False. False. Luis Nin asks one more question. Uh, he would love to get our thoughts on the new Masters of War and Cataphracts point changes. How do you best run Cataphracts to Ferrax Dog game? Um, 
In backwards order, Ferox do not still have game. There's too much grievous wounds. They just die, period. Uh, Matt's too high. Brat's too high. They're not good enough. Cataphracts, you best run them in a brick, and those are dead. And I honestly can't speak to the point changes because I haven't listened to the episode and I've heard conflicting reports. I don't think we're getting enough done to them. I, I think the Citrati become functional. I don't think that they become exceptional. I think that they become the way that they should have been. Okay. Mm as for just dropping the point cost on the other two cataphracts i i can't remember if it was like 11 15 no that's their stupid stat line uh what what did they drop them down to let me see if i can dig this up real quick so no i don't have that information easily accessible to me but i'm assuming if their cost is 11 17 they probably go down a point or two if they're being cautious and the problem with these models is not related to the cost of taking them. If you're getting six models for 17 points, that's fine as long as they do something. But the Arcuari are and models like them are not really designed for the game as it is. They should perform remarkably well into other medium-based infantry, but with lower threat ranges and a really poor stat line, it makes it hard for them to trade up. And they can't use their drag abilities on other large targets that are on uh, base sizes higher than them. So they, they don't really have an opportunity to kill anything that isn't trading down for the points that you paid to take them per model. The Incendiari, they're fine, but they still have the same stat issues, I think. Yes, they do. Um, all of them have stat issues, um, health box issues, point cost issues. Um, going down a point or two is not enough to make them worth. I wonder, worth really, it. like, would an eleven fifteen eight box thing be too obscene for this game? Like, probably not. No, it means how twelves don't kill them, which fifty like percent of the time. No, they shouldn't. These are heavily armored troops, but they do. That's where we're at. So in the theme, I think Swordsman and Ferox are the two, I would say, like, okay units. But there's nothing exceptional right now. And I think that you require something exceptional in order to make the theme excel. Yep. So we'll see. And you can't recur them with the SG either, which is an, an, another, like, kickback where the uh, Citrati are getting better. I think the Ferox are only getting worse as the metagame evolves. I agree with that. I have to get going at this point. Okay, cool. It's We're running over already, so. All right, so I could not get through all the questions before Brian had to leave, so I'm going to answer the last few myself. Shadowfane asks, pigs or gators? Currently, I'm leaning very heavily on pigs. I think that their efficiency goes way up, giving them the ability to use all of their fury now that dials no longer require forcing, and their costs are going down. So the only thing that pigs really have against them is that they're a little squishier. But as far as gators go, the Rasslers the only one that's really at the top of my list, and even the Rassler doesn't fit everywhere because... Trying to have Rush and Rage is very expensive, and oftentimes, especially with these new scenarios, Rush is a little more valuable, allowing you to get to where you need to get to because everything is so wide. So for me personally, pigs.
Next up, we have Underground Heretic, and he asks, given that the new themes no longer reward a certain proportion of beasts to non-beasts, what is your thought process on determining the ratio when most of our casters can support beasts and non-beasts equally well? That is a difficult question, because I think the majority of the lists will remain exactly the same, with maybe an extra beast here and there, because that's kind of what it takes to play the game, right? Like, you want enough beasts to be able to score rectangle zones, but you still want everything else that comes in a theme. And with none of our themes giving a benefit to beasts currently, like, wins might keep swift hunter but that's not useful nor will it be useful in the future for most cases i would say that i don't foresee things changing all that much in terms of the beast to non-beast balance if anything i think what's going to happen is the amount of solos will go up and that's because we can take a bunch of one point solos in doa void archons and exalted solos are plentiful and then now in masters it's a little more loose in terms of what you can take and where favorite hot dog toppings so i don't eat meat and with that in mind i do very much like uh the seattle hot dogs with like cream cheese um of course i have to do the non-dairy variety mustard is also my favorite i love all different kinds of mustards i vastly prefer it over ketchup or mayo or anything like that spicy mustard is the shit then we have another question from Underground Heretic who asks, with Xerxes 2 and Jalam gaining access to minions beasts, uh, what helps you decide in list building between maximizing threat range versus hitting power? The example would be the Roadhog versus the Aratus. With Xerxes 2 and Jalam, so I personally like playing with more threat range. I think that with uh, the launch of Infernals, it's really important to out-threat things, and even things like Judicators, you want to... Obviously, you have to be able to kill them, but you want to be able to not give your beasts up in their optimal threat ranges. So you don't want to be taking everything from the Judicator. You want it to just be clipping you. Same goes for the Infernals. You don't want them to out-threat you by a lot because they can create heavies while you're only going to be losing them. So I, I personally value more speed than I do hitting power. I think our, our hitting power in Scorn is pretty solid with just Pain Givers and base stats alone. And that does translate to minions somewhat. And then most of our casters have a way to crank damage. Jalam specifically does want Rage or Primal, but he can also play a hit and run kind of incremental trading style due to some things having Sprint and Warpath. And you can out-trade your opponent that way. Then we have Go Crunch who asks, I think a discussion about how losing hyper-aggressive effects our brick play would be good. I am under the opinion that brick play, at least the traditional sense of clumping up in one area with uh, you know, a swath of benefits, is not going to be a style that exists in the game anymore. You can see this present in Grimkin, who used to love to brick up around a death knell, but now is choosing to forego some heavies for more lights with the Dreamer build so that they can spread out and play scenario better. And because of that, that also changes the dichotomy of 
how lists play. All of a sudden, lists that are traditionally slower and bricky can also go first and secure enough board space to then exert their own threat ranges. I think overall, like you're going to see more balanced lists, and that ultimately is going to make for better games. Uh, as for the loss of hyper-aggressive, I, I mean, we talked about it in a previous question. I, I don't necessarily think it changes too much in terms of the game. It had its corner cases. Obviously, this theme's weakness or like weakness on a larger scale is going to be control. But if you have the ability to spread out and uh, have a bunch of different vectors, that also gives you a, another way to play into control. Then we have P Logan 01 from Discord asks thoughts on the Rhett versus Scorn matchup. It seems like most of Rhett stacks up well into Immortals and other common builds of Scorn. Do you tech specifically for Rhett or or is it a corner case thing? I believe is what the question is. I actually like teching for Rhett. I like teching for Rhett and teching for Menoth because I think it's fairly challenging to build a pair that is going to be good into those two factions, but also be good into the rest of the game. So things like the Desert Hydra are going to be important. I wish that the Resheth Mammoth list was still intact, because just bringing that amount of firepower and constant threat of assassination is also important when playing into Rhett. The rest, we have our shield guards, like now we have ambush and fairly high accuracy. Mika Stan asks, so what is our best answer to Harpy currently? Currently, I I think it's Mikada, honestly. Like I think Mikada puts you in a solid 50-50, and Morgul 2 is also up there. I was doing Morgul 2 with a Hydra in Exalted for a while, and while I found that list to be pretty good into Harpy, I did get into some weird list chicken when it came to their off list and my off list. So that's something to think about. But my best success personally has been with Makeda, and I just hope to play the game as cleanly as possible. And if they make a mistake, it's likely that they lose. And if I make a mistake, we can grind it out and it will probably fall down to good play and occasionally some dice luck. And then final question from Dmitry Toshinov. What beast brick lists will we probably have with the new DOA? So if you listen to my definition earlier, I'm not sure if the what I view as the traditional beast brick will still exist. I think that we're going to be forced to spread out more. So due to that nature, we're not necessarily bricking up. I think we'll see a lot more lights than we normally do. I think that the uh, pigs will be fairly popular, depending on caster. If anything, I, I think our identity will slightly shift from the take alpha, give back harder alpha, to we're going to be delivering the alpha most of the time, or we're going to be dictating the trades due to speed and access to good anime. But I don't necessarily see the beast that we want to play holding up very well after the fact. So make sure you're getting positive trades because once stuff gets into your stuff, it's going to die. Like pigs are not especially tanky and nor are lights. Hopefully that covers your question in addition to what I answered before. All right, and that is it for questions.
Thank you for LOS for hosting us. They have an events calendar. So if you have anything that you would like on there to be known nationwide, worldwide, they're trying to make sure all IG events are on there. And I think Warfare Weekend qualifiers. But if you have anything you want to put up there, go for it. It would be great to make that a page for everyone to go to and just be able to kind of search what's in their area. Yeah, there's Um, a ton on it already. Awesome. Our Patreon subscribers, thank you guys for helping us keep the lights on, keep the mics nice, and us talking. There is a Vassal League on Discord. I haven't really seen much about it, but I haven't been on Discord in a couple of weeks. We're going to link it in the show notes for you. Um, It's honestly, it's gathering a lot of interest. It's really well run. It's got some prize support. They have people dedicated to teaching you Vassal if it's your first time doing it. I think if you're in an area that you're not able to get many games in or, you know, you're only able to play in weird hours of the day, it's much easier to get someone in online to play a game with you. So give Vassal a try. Check out the league, even if you don't know how to use the program yet. We're going to make it easy enough for you to understand. And there's also no death clock. Yeah, that does help. So uh, Line of Sight is going to be starting its own Discord. We currently are hashing out the rules. We are getting a larger uh, privateer press presence than I've seen on other discords before it. Uh, We've got moderators for all times of day. And hopefully it's just going to be a nice, like friendly place that you guys can actually talk tactics and debate with one another and still have fun. Not get shouted down because you're playing an OP faction. Yeah, I mean, like, (laughs) obviously, it's the internet. Everybody can, like, voice their opinions. But we we want some place where constructive criticism is welcome and just endless complaining is not. Sure. You can reach us on Facebook. Uh, We have a Disciples of Agony page. I am very bad about tweeting, but um, we do have a Twitter account also at Disciples of Agony. We have a Gmail at Disciples of Agony the theme uh it continues on discord you can find me at probably just search Pook. i'll be there i haven't posted in a while yep and i am type two peyton is pr priest and that is our cast so you all have a wonderful night slash evening slash day and thank you for listening yep thank you take care now consecrate the bond of obedience. Assume the position. Thank you, sir, man!